there are phrases and uh, scriptures that are just just are brilliant. They're like a gemstone. And we're going to look at one, and it's found in Romans 8, 14. So open up your Bible, and I hope that you are ready this morning because we're going to look at quite a few what I call cross-references or scriptures that, uh, that reflect the same truth from different angles over and over again to get the great truth. Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 1. I want to show you something here. Pursuing after, walking, there's, there's this phrase in Romans that says walking after the Spirit. I want to kind of this week and uh, in two weeks, I'll pick it up again. Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 1. i got to get there myself. In Romans 8, 1, read it aloud with me. Just verse 1, it says, say it together, ready? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, not just, just get in this thing. That's a, that's this right here. When we, when we look at Romans chapter eight, we look at something marvelous. This is, this is how a Christian lives. We walk after the spirit. Look at verse five. Now say it with me. Ready? Begin for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You hear that word after, after. Okay, it means to pursue, to go after something, to seek for, to reach for, to strive for. Jesus asked every one of his disciples, he only asked us to do one thing was follow me. Remember that? Come after me. Do as I do. Watch me. Learn from me. But but follow me. Stay. Stay after me is the point. Okay. so when we start off that phrase, let's see if I can pick it up here. They that are after the spirit. Now, the truth is, you and I are either pursuing our old life, which is pursuing being after the flesh. We're, we're after the things of this world. We're pursuing careers and money and so on and so forth. Or you're going to do two things. You're either pursuing your own life or you're pursuing the new life. We used to live for the things of the flesh. They're called physical lusts, pleasure, selfishness, money, the praise of men. All we did was thought about ourselves. We thought about our flesh. We thought about making ourselves happy. We couldn't care less about God or the Bible or heaven or hell. But because of Jesus Christ, because he got our attention, because of the new birth in us, we now yearn for the things of the Holy Spirit of God. We look forward to heaven. You know, Christians actually get excited about not going on holiday only, but going to heaven one day. We actually know where we're going. We actually get excited about finding out what God's will is for us. We want God's will done. We get excited when God's will is done. And we yearn for ourselves to think and react and love like like Jesus Christ did. Those are the things of the Spirit. And the truth is, look at verse 6. Say it with me aloud. We're in Romans 8, verse 6. Say it together with me. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. These things are the marvelous things about the Christian life that probably we don't think about. Uh, we are, if you go down, if you go down to 814, chapter 8 and verse 14, say it with me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Think about this. Christians are led by the Spirit of God instead of by the Spirit of this world. You know, this world has a spirit all its own. 
Now, we're going to come back to Romans uh, a bit, but I need to go to 1 Corinthians. This is our first um, uh, trek. Romans, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to give you lots of scriptures. You ought to write some of these down or all of them down. I can always get, if you're ever interested, I can give you the notes, and they do go up on the Internet. Because I, I don't want to just say something. I want you to know it, that you know it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Open your eyes to this great truth. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received not the, notice the words, spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Two spirits, two realms. One of them is the spirit of this world. And I tell you what, if you don't think this world is spiritual, and I don't mean good spiritual either, if you, if you think that this world is only wars and, and debt, and oppression, you don't realize there's a spirit behind all that. There is there is shenanigans going on that YouTubes aren't going to expose. Only the Bible exposes. There is a spirit of this world. It's not a good one. And it's leading this world to hell. But Christians have the spirit of Christ now. And the key to the Christian living the Christian life is letting the Holy Spirit lead and we follow. Does that does that sort of make it easier? <laughs> he leads. I just follow. I just pursue him. I strive to be near him. And you're to be full of him. We Christians are led by something we can't see, feel, touch. But we know he's there. There's a pull on us. There's, there's, a, there's something talking about being called according to his purpose. That's a pull. It says there's another purpose. There was a reason why I was born. There's a reason why I'm saved. There's a reason why I'm alive today and I'm not dead. And God has this pull on me saying, come on, come on. I don't know about you. Uh, I've always said this, that if a, if a girl wants a date, get perfume that smells like coffee. Okay? Uh, you ever noticed, I mean, you're just going along and you, uh, you smell perfume and it distracts you. Or how about you pass by a bread factory and like, oh, you become a zombie. Oh, take me to your leader. All right. That is a stupid illustration of what's it like when the Holy Spirit tries to get our attention. We go, what, what is, what's going on? Why am I being pulled, distracted in a whole different direction? Folks, some of you are called by God to stay single. I know it's a terrifying thought. Some of you are called to being married. Some of you are called to be preachers. Some are called to be teachers. Some to be missionaries. Some to just be givers. Some laborers. Some astronauts. Some chemists. Whatever you're called to be, make sure it's the Holy Spirit calling you and not the Almighty Euro. Do you see the difference? All of us are called to win souls. Do you know that? Pastor's not the only one that's supposed to go out soul winning. Every one of us are called by God to go and give the gospel to somebody every day if we can. We're called to serve and love one another. That's our calling. That's, that's the pull on us. We're being led to do that. If we would just recognize that pull and yield to it. So we come to this verse 14. I think our battery's going bad. Uh, go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I'm going to just focus. Now we're, we're going to go through lots of scripture, but I'm going to focus on this truth. I want you to see it one more time with your eyes and circle the word L-E-D, led. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God 
That means they're the sons of God. That's that's one of the proofs that you're saved, that there's this pull on you. That's, now, the world pulls. Don't I, I wish that the world had no pull on me. The world pulls on my flesh like it always does. I just got this pull on me that's far better. And really, I'm just counting that thing dead. I don't even want to know what it's pulling me to do. I only want the mind of the Spirit, the mind of Christ, the heart of God. That's all that I should ever want. So Romans 8.14 is the description of the Christian life. Picture it. Being constantly pulled, drawn by the heart of God towards him. Now, sometimes my grandkids come to the house, and guess what they do? They run right up to Grandma. Sometimes they run right up to me. But you know what Grandpa does? I go after him. <laughs> come here. I want them close to me, amen? I want them to want to be close to me. And there's this, this pull of come. I invite you right up on my lap. The story is told of John F. Kennedy when he was in the Oval Office. Nobody was allowed to go into the Oval Office unless they were invited, unless there was purpose, whatever. But there were some people that were allowed in anytime, day or night. That was his kids. And his kids would come bolting in the door to climb right up on his lap. And he's on the phone with Khrushchev or something. Because he said, I want that, amen. And you know, God wants you. And he's drawing us to a closeness to him if we would only just go after it. I'll give you an example. It's not weird or fanatical to be want to be led of the Spirit of God instead of led by the world. You go to a pub, what is everybody led by? <laughs> spirit of this world. You go to church, I hope you want to be led by the Spirit of God. People think it's normal to chase after big money opportunities, but it's abnormal to seek after God. Let me give you an example. A guy comes into church, looks like Gavin, wears a suit, has a tie on, carries, carries a big Bible, studies his Bible, reads his Bible, goes out soul winning, helps pastor do all kinds of grungy things people nobody else wants to do, goes out and, 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 and helps people get their car fixed or whatever, comes up and fills in uh, for preaching sometime. You think, he must be called to be a preacher. No, he's being normal. Amen. That's the normal Christian life. You ought to wear a tie. You ought to be excited about being at church and going soul winning and studying your Bible. But that's not the characteristics of a pastor. That's the characteristics of a Christian. That's the normal Christian life. Now, some people can be together, but they're not close. You ever notice that? The same is true with a lot of Christians. They may be at church, but they're not close to each other or to God. Now, if this subject is not interesting to you, if it doesn't seem to concern you, if it doesn't motivate you, it's because you're living at room temperature, spiritually speaking. You're just living like everyone else around you, and that stinks. You're a parrot. That's why I wonder about your salvation, because if I had said, are you saved? You'd be, go, you'd be able to say, I am saved, because you'd use my same words. I did that. I was going to church for a couple of weeks there, and as I'm sitting in church, people come up and say, are you a Christian? I go, I'm a Christian, because I don't want to answer in the negative. Are you saved? Whatever that is, yeah, I'm saved. That's a parrot. That's a hypocrite. That's a fraud. And, and it's easy to do. But as a Christian, there is something where it's just, 
I'm being led of the Spirit. I want to know what it is that I am. You're a new person in Christ. Don't be like everyone else around you. Be like Christ. But if, if these truths don't mean anything to you, it's because probably, I have to say, you may not be born again. And that ought to terrify you. It's called being born of the Spirit of God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians, back to the right. 1 Corinthians 2. In verse 14, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. And as your pastor, I don't say this to anybody in particular, but I say it to the whole church. And I, if, if it's, it's kind of like if I, show, if I throw the shoe and it hits you, take it. All right. It is easy to come to church. It's easy to make a make make a show. But my worst nightmare is that you come to church and you hear the gospel and you hear the preaching and you know God is saying you must be born again and you don't care. That's my worst nightmare. Look at your Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man. That's this guy over here. That's this guy that's only living as he always has. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. He doesn't want the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Now, here's the truth. You look at me and you listen to me and you go, dumb American. <laughs> Both statements are true. Okay, <laughs> Dumb American. But that doesn't mean that this book is worth mocking. You can mock and laugh at me all you want. I'll be a fool for Jesus Christ. But if this, what I'm preaching, and what the gospel says is foolishness to you, it's because you're still only natural. You're the way you've always been. Look what the Bible says. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, understand them, because they're only what? Spiritually understood. Now, you don't need some spirit to explain to you you're in trouble with God. You don't need that. My dad would always say, you're always interpreting the Bible. I said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And my dad would say, that's just your interpretation. I said, Dad, I just read it. <laughs> you just don't like it. You don't need a lot of the Bible interpreted. You need to just believe it. There's no spiritualness about that. It's a fact. We're all short. We all fail the righteous requirements of God. So my point is this. Go to John chapter 3. The Christian life is a spiritual life. John chapter 3 in verse 1. John chapter 3 in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the most religious people you'd ever meet. Very good people on the outside. Named This guy was named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, and he said unto Jesus, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You're a good guy, Jesus. You're fantastic. You do miracles. You're a great teacher. Verse 3, Jesus answered back and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow, how to change the subject. <laughs> I mean, Jesus... I don't care what you think of me. I'm worried about your soul, bud. You must be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus in shock saith unto him, uh, well, how can a man be born when he is old? What's he thinking? Physical birth, isn't he? 
I mean, get born. I'm 70 years old. I don't know. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What's he thinking? I can only understand what Jesus is saying physically. Verse, uh, not, verse 5, thank you. Jesus answered, verily, verily, listen carefully, he's saying. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. That's your first birth. Every one of you came out of a water sack. Except a man be born of water and of the, well, there we go. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is what? You know what you got from your parents? Your flesh. You got your looks. You got your height, your hair color. It's all in there. You say, where'd the redhead come? Maybe from the grandparents or something back there. But it's in there. You got your flesh from your parents. Flesh produces flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We'd say it's spiritual. It is, it is different. Verse 7. Don't marvel. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So let's talk about what it means to pursue God's spirit now. It simply means to seek him. To change. And by the way, the spirit is a hymn. There are three hymns in the Trinity. There's the Father, the Word, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's three of them. And they're all three different people. I know a lot of there are a lot of religions that teach that the Holy Spirit is like electricity. It's just a power force. No, no, it's a person. You can grieve a person. You can't grieve the ESB. Amen. And the Bible commands us not to grieve the Spirit of God. So to actually chase after him, to reach for, to strive for what? The Holy Spirit to have power over you. I'm going to say a lot of things that hopefully will turn your idea around about what we're looking for. I, I yearn for, reach for, strive for, not just the Holy Spirit. A lot of people say, you need the Spirit, you need the Spirit. What about the Spirit? I need the Spirit leading and in, in controlling and in charge of my life. I need Him filling my thoughts and my heart and my, my, my day. It's like pursuing a career, pursuing a master's degree. How many of you pursued a master's degree? That's a lot of work. How about pursuing a serious relationship with someone, following after your dream? When it says they that are after the spirit, it means to want him to lead you every hour of every day. Good word there in Philippians is to apprehend. Now, we usually, when I think of apprehend, I think of the old cop movies. And they would get on the radio and say, we're going after, we're going to apprehend the criminal. You ever hear that phrase, apprehend? It means to grab him. <laughs> Hold on to him, not let him go. And Paul says, I am not yet apprehended. There are some things in my Christian life I still don't have and I want. Uh, to, um, it means to want him to lead you every hour, every day, as I said. But this is is um, to want him, to run after him, to draw close, not, not wanting things from God. You know why most of us pray? Because we need something. Now, is it bad to ask God for things that you need? No, it's perfectly fine. He says, you have not because you ask not. Just ask. Ask, seek, knock. God invites us to pray for everything. But you know what he would prefer? For us to want him. Just him.
not what he can do for you, but for him. Not wanting things from God, but to know God, to love God and enjoy God. Let me take you to two scriptures. Go to 1 Samuel, back in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 13. First Samuel 13, in verse 13. I need you to do something for me. Hold your place here, and with your right hand, get Acts 13. So for Samuel 13, Acts 13. That way we won't have to pick all the time, and you'll be able to make the connection very quickly. When you found Acts 13, then with your other hand. No, no, I'm joking, joking. <laughs> Hold your Bible there in Acts 13 with your right hand. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 13. And we'll pick up in verse 13. 13, 13. 1 Samuel 13, 13. Look at two verses here. And Samuel said to Saul, he was king at that time, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man. Watch these words. Please underline them, circle them, put a star beside them. He sought him a man after his own what? God said, I'm just looking for somebody who doesn't want something from me, just wants my heart. That's why Paul says that I may know him, that I may win Christ. It's not a lottery. It's to win his heart. Watch what he says. Let me read it over again because I want you to see the depth of this. But now the kingdom shall not, thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him, a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him. You know who that is? David. To be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. <gasps> you lost it. Go to Acts now. Listen to how the Bible completes the whole circle. God has sought for someone who was only after his heart. And look at verse thir chapter 13, verse 22. Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, he, God, raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, God's testimony, and said, I'm not looking for, but what did he say? I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Isn't that cool? He sought for someone and he found someone who was just looking for his heart. That's why David is such a pivotal, such a great example of somebody who followed God. Was David a great sinner? When I say great, not good either. But boy, David was a great repenter. Great David was a great uh, 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 person who always got right with God. And if you want to know what pursuing God looks like. Just read about David's life. Read the Psalms. And you'll read his heart. Now, that may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to those of us who want to walk after the Spirit. The truth is this. The greatest pursuit of life is to have, and the greatest success of a man's life, of a woman's life, of a teenager's life. If you've only got one year to live, you need to walk with God that year. You say, well, I want to travel the world. I don't care if you travel the world or not. While you're traveling, you better walk with God because you were made to please him. You were given life to bless his name, to bring glory to him, to enjoy him, to have a relationship with him. 
The measure of success is how close you are to God, not how close you are to your dream. Can I, can I repeat that? You say, well, I have a dream. I have a dream to be a billionaire. Well, what if you don't make it? You see, the measure of success is not how close you are to, to your dream. It is how close you are and you stayed to God. So I'm going to lay the foundation this morning. This is only the beginning. Next time, we, it's going to be two weeks. We'll come back and I'll finish it. But I want to lay the foundation of what it means to pursue God's spirit in our life. And in two weeks, I'll show you how to do it. So let me show you six truths. Bang, 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 real quick about pursuing the spirit of God every day. John chapter four. You're in Acts. Go to the left. Find John chapter four. Six truths about pursuing the spirit of God. Number one, God is a spirit. John chapter four, verse 24. This is how you know whether you're following the spirit of God or not. Because if you're following anything that you can smell, taste, hold, have, own, buy, sell, listen to. If you are seeking anything physical or that you can see or that you can experience in this life physically, it's not God. Ouch. Because God is a spirit. John 4, verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. Now we come to church. It's a physical building. You're physical. We're here. But you didn't come to God when you came to this, this building, did you? While you're in the car, you should have been talking to God. Amen. While you're at home making breakfast, you should have been worshiping Jesus. Amen. In the middle of the night, when the terrors and the 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 the, the memories and the, the the struggles of the day are haunting you, you should be worshiping God, talking to God, walking after the Spirit. So when when it says God is Spirit, it means He's spiritual. He exists without form or shape. I know it's hard to understand because we 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 want to hold something. That's why people are idolaters. I met a guy at the door. I was sitting there giving him the gospel, and he says, you know who my God is? He reached, he was a plumber, reached into his pocket, he pulled out a wad of money, like, let make you drool. He said, that's my God. And then he turned to his son. Right, son? Little nine-year-old kid back behind him there helping him on a job. You know what the problem with that is? It's got wings. <laughs> that flies as fast as a bullet. That's not God at all. That's an idol. But God doesn't have a, hand, a body. He doesn't have hands. He doesn't have feet. He's not an alien. I mean, the Mormons have him as an alien on some other planet somewhere. He's not an angel. He's not a statue. He's not a painting. He is a spirit. And I'll say this, just because he's spirit doesn't mean he's not real. He's just as real as you and I are. He's just spiritual. Second thing, he's invisible. Go to Colossians. You're in John. Go to the right. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Say, what does all this have to do with it? You've got to understand this so that you change the way you talk to God and that you trust God uh, and understand God. Colossians 1.15, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then comes Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. I love, I love verse 14. It says this, in whom we have redemption. I hope your Bible has this next part. Through his blood. 
even the forgiveness of sins, who redeemed us? Jesus, now verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God. Was Jesus physically here? Yes or no? Yes. He actually said to his disciples, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Not that God has eyebrows, doesn't have earlobes, doesn't have dirt under the fingernails. You got to understand that. But he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Go to 1 Timothy. Keep going to the right. Find 1 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 17, God is invisible. This is why I'm, there are churches, and I say this with very little respect. They turn the lights off, and on the platform, the speaker sometimes, or the worship team, and they turn on the mist. And they give you this idea that the Holy Spirit has come. If you can see it, it's not the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? But people expect that. People want that. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Now unto the king eternal, talking to God, talking about God, immortal, and what's the next word? Invisible. The only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. First Timothy 6, you're in chapter 1, go to chapter 6. Still in First Timothy 6, 16. 1 Timothy 6, 16, speaking of God, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. Now, this is going to help you in a moment. Dwelling in the light that no man can approach to, he's in light, whom no man hath seen. So he said, I saw God. You didn't see God. You saw a demon. You saw a demonic angel. You saw, I don't care what you think it is. It was an alien. No, it was a demon. It says, no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting. I'm glad how the Bible can clear up a lot of confusion. Amen. It's very simple. You can't see God. He's invisible. Now, I know how you feel. I mean, have you ever asked, where is God? I've asked that. Well, he's here. He's just not seen with the naked eye. He's just like air. Now, hopefully you don't live in Los Angeles where you can see air. All right. <laughs> It's called smog, amen. <laughs> but things are not, things exist that you can't see, like gravity. You can't see gravity. Do you know most radiation you can't see? And that's not a good thing. But they're all around us, very real. They're just invisible. And by the way, Almighty God is here. He's just invisible. By the way, it's kind of funny. The evidence for the existence of God is overwhelming. The Bible says only a fool says there's no God. People say, where is God? If I just saw him, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. When he was walking on this earth, they rejected him and killed him. <laughs> it's just interesting. I read this, that the evolutionist cannot find God the same way that a thief cannot find the Garda. They don't want him. <laughs> That's exactly right. So you cannot find God by looking for him with your eyes. You can't find him naturally. Job tried. Take your Bible, turn to the middle of your Bible as Psalms and go left and find the book of Job just before Psalms. Job chapter 23, Job looked for God, man. Job chapter 23, verse 8. Job 23 and verse 8. This is Job talking. He's absolutely, he's, he's actually sitting 
on a pile of rubbish. He's on an ash heap. They burned their rubbish. He's sitting there scraping his skin full of, of sores that are full of pus from the crown of his head to the bottom of his feet. He is in agony. He is in the worst level of depression you can imagine because his kids are gone. His wife hates God and has abandoned him. Everything in his life has gone wrong. And he's saying, I wish I could find God. Look at verse 23, verse 8. Behold, I go forward. He is not there. Backward. But I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, I can, I can see what he's doing, but I cannot behold him. And he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Now that's his conclusion, but he's not finished. Verse 10 says, but he knoweth the way that I take. He sees me. I can't see him, but he knows where I am. He knows the way that I take and when he hath tried me when he's finished with all of this i shall come forth as gold isn't that good isn't that a pickup say all right lord i can't see you i can't feel you i don't know where you are but you know right where i am and i know i trust that what i'm going through is your hand and it's going to make me come forth like gold that's rich <sighs> i have a mm. Uh, so I saw this meme that was good. Here's the guy in front of his television. And he says, I don't believe in anything I can't see. He's got, can't see atoms, can't see radio signals, can't see gravity. Can't, I can't see you thinking. I guess that's not there. You guys aren't thinking because you can't see him, right? Time, you can't see time. But that's how people think. Um, mm, you ever, <laughs> this is what I look like when I'm opening the bonnet, okay? <laughs> But you know what a scientist, all a scientist can do is discover what's already there. So I come along and I see a car that's running. The bonnet is up. So I go up there and I look inside there and I see all the things moving and, and purring and, 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 and it's got a got throbbing power there and it's all cool. And I take, if I had the ability, I take the head off and I see the pistons moving. You know what I'm doing? I'm just discovering what's already been made. And I can label everything. This is what scientists do. And then they act like there's no creator. Nobody made it. I mean, that's the biggest fool ever. All we discover is the handiwork of God, and isn't it awesome? Can't be accidental. God is invisible. Third, God hides <laughs> on purpose. You see, God hides, he's invisible to us for good reason. We couldn't survive if we ever could see him. You know, the infinite being of the universe. This universe is in him, by the way. He's not in the universe. This universe is a bubble inside God. And if I could see God, I'd be gone in a millisecond. You understand what I'm saying? So what God does, he says, I stay hidden behind darkness. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Go back to the left, find Genesis, and then Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. When all the Israelites came to Mount Sinai and God showed up, guess what happened? It went dark on purpose. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 21. 2021, and the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near, he's going up that mountain, into the thick darkness where God was. Now, why was it dark? Is God dark? No. 
He put a layer like a blanket. He put a cover between us and God so we could get near him. He does that on purpose. He's invisible on purpose. Uh, go to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Five books of the Old Testament. The fifth one is Deuteronomy in chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 12. Deuteronomy 4, 12 says this. The Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire, there on the Mount Sinai. Ye heard the voice of the words, but you saw no similitude. You didn't see any substance. Only you heard a voice. God didn't shine in his brightness like the sun. No, no, no. He showed only darkness so that they would realize, okay, that's God. We can hear his voice. We know he's there. But thankfully, he didn't show himself because we would not have survived. I've got news for you. One day every eye shall see him, and it will be the worst day of all if you're not saved. <coughs> Number four, God is findable. Yeah, he hides, but he's findable. There's two great truths. John 14, I think this is hilarious. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. He actually wants to be found. John 14. Now, there's some times that I don't want to be found. <laughs> Anybody like that? Switch off the phone, go on a walk. You don't want to be found. Well, God's not like that. All right. Uh, now, I've told you the story about my kids in hide and seek. Whenever we play hide and seek, they'll go all over the house. But you know what they're doing the entire time while I'm looking for them? <laughs> Where's that little munchkin? Where is he? And they're going, I'm up here. <laughs> what do they want? They want to be found. Amen? You know, God wants to be found. He could make it so easy. Why didn't God just walk in? Why didn't God just show himself? Because, as I'm going to say, he wants to be wanted to find. Watch this. John 14, verse 7. This is really cute. I'm going to show you something here maybe you never noticed. We read verse 6 before. We know what Jesus said to Philip. He says, or Thomas, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That's how you get saved, through Jesus. Not by the church, but through Jesus. Verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him. And you've even seen him. Now that blew Philip's mind. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. If it's possible, I'd like to see him. Show us the Father, and it'll, it'll satisfy us. It'll suffice us. Verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us us the Father? You know what he's saying to Philip? You found me. You found me. You want to know what God is like? Follow Jesus. Awesome stuff, man. So, point number one, he actually wants to be found. Number two, He's not far from any of us. Acts, keep going to the right. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. Acts 17, 24. God that made the world. Acts 17, verse 24. And all things therein. 
seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, he dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He doesn't live in some temple somewhere. Neither is worshipped with men's hands. What you do doesn't really worship him. You worship him in your spirit. You see that? He's not worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. There are plenty of gods out there that need you to finance them. <laughs> They're called televangelists <laughs> and politicians. Um, and, and they need you to feed them. They need you to care for them. I've seen these guys carrying their village idols. Isn't that a weird thing? They have to carry their God through the village. Why can't he walk on his own? It says, uh, as though he needeth anything. God doesn't need anything that we have, seeing he giveth to all. He's the life giver, life and breath and all things. And if made of one blood, all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. We're all one blood. And have determined the times before appointed. He got everything all laid out and the bounds of their habitations. Why? Why did God birth you in Ireland? Why did he birth you in, in, in Nigeria or in Germany or in Texas? And then move you here. And then you feel like you're trapped and you're struggling. You say, I can't even get out of here. God put a boundary around you for one reason. Watch what it says. He's determined the bounds of their habitations, the boundary of where they live, that they should seek the Lord. Not seek anything else, but seek the Lord. If happily, by chance, to us, it's like chance. To him, it's all planned out. It's, it's the way that it works. If happily, they might feel after him like a blind man and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. What great truth, man. He's not a million miles away. He's not a hundred miles away. He's not even one mile away. He's not even five feet away from you right now. He's not far from any one of us. He wants to be found. Some people think God's over in Tibet somewhere. Maybe he's up in Loch Derg or Krog Patrick up at the top. He's not there. He's right there. and He's, he's here. And that leads us to number six. Oh, no, I already got it. Number five, we have to just want him. Whatever you're going through, whatever trap you feel you're in, God wants you to seek him first. Not seek revenge, seek him. Not seek happiness, seek him. Not seek stability in your life, but just seek him. You say, my life is a chaos. My life is a disaster. My life is out of control. Do you know if God is God, he has you there so that you will seek him. Yes. You say, I'm looking for answers. Job looked for answers. You know what Job found? God. God didn't answer one of Job's questions. Did you know that? Job asks about 40 questions. God, why this? Why did you allow this? Why are you letting the righteous suffer? Why, 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 why? And God says, you couldn't handle it. Just accept me. You were looking for me. I'm here now. Isn't that awesome? Whatever you're going through, God wants you to seek him first. Listen to God's own words. Go to Proverbs, middle of your Bible, Psalms. Go to the book after it, Proverbs, to the right. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17. Proverbs eight seventeen says this. I love them that love me. This is God talking. And those that seek me early. Shall what? So if you wait till the last minute before you start looking for God, you may not find him. Why can I say that? Because you may not have the mental ability 
I mean, a lot of people, you go into the hospital and you're dying. They put you so much on morphine, you can't think two sentences. Amen. Don't think, well, that's when I'll cry out to God to save me. You won't have the ability. Don't wait. You do it now. You do it early. In the start of the problem, seek him and you'll find him. Go to Jeremiah. Keep going to the right. Find the book of Jeremiah, right after Isaiah. Jeremiah 29. And please make these scriptures mm, something you hold on to and that you start to believe. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, 13. And you shall seek me. I love this verse. And find me. Jeremiah 29, 13. When you shall search for me with all your heart. That sort of leads on to next time we talk about, how do I find God? Uh, use your heart. Instead of using your heart on sin, why don't you use it on God? You know how you get saved? Believe with all your heart. Use your heart for one good thing. <laughs> we just got to want to find him. Listen to David. I'll just quote it. Psalm 42 says, As the heart, H-A-R-T, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth. You hear that word? <sighs> panteth my soul after thee. Psalm 63, one says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. Even my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. He's describing a desire like a deer running from the hunter. His heart beating a million miles an hour. His throat is dry. His chest is heaving rapidly, taking in rapid breaths, seeking to find water and to find a place of safety. He says, David says, that's how I feel when I'm pursuing you. I'm not just like, I guess I'll go to church and let pastor theologically instruct me. I hope you came to church not to hear pastor, but to hear God. Came to, I hope you come to your Bible saying, I don't want to read the King's English. I want to hear the heart of God. I want to know what he thinks. I want to know how he wants me to think. Uh, there's a great hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You ever heard that one? Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. Now, not with your eyes, but with your faith. And there's life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful. Pastor, I can't see him. Get the picture. It's, it's not saying find a statue of Jesus. No, it's saying he's right there. Look to him by faith. Close your eyes and trust him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. God wants us to want to desire to be close to him. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God. Surprise, he'll draw nigh to you. <laughs> He's not good. You know what? God's not cute. He's not mean. Can you imagine to say, he doesn't say, come here, Craig. And as they get closer, he goes, Okay, come here, Craig, <laughs> and keep moving and making it. No, I never, no, it doesn't do that. He never moves. If I find it hard to find God, it's because I'm so far away. But you know what God does? As soon as I start moving to him, he's moving to me. Isn't that awesome? Mm. So make the pursuit of God the desire and the desire of the Holy Spirit of God the main thing in your life. 
Psalm 27, 8 says, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, O Lord, will I seek. If God wants me close to him, then my heart wants it. That's the proof a person is walking after the Spirit. Now, I'm going to finish this with this thing. There are so many benefits to pursuing God. Just going to give, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Almost to Revelation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you ever thought about make it living a life that would please him instead of your boss? <laughs> without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God, hey, I'm trying to get close to him, must believe that he is, that he's there, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you see all those words? Were there too many words for you? Did you miss it? He's a rewarder of those who just would diligently seek him. How do you get a good score in school? You diligently study. How do you have a good relationship in your home? You diligently work at it. How do I have a closeness with God? I'm going to have to work at making sure I have that closeness. It doesn't just happen automatically. We sort of figure God's like this cloud around us, you know. No, 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 no. He wants to be leading our lives. He wants to be right there with us going through whatever we're going through, saying, this is the way. Keep going. Anyway, I've got loads of scriptures. I'll talk about them later. I'll just give you one more. Psalm 16. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 16. I think the kids are giving me my, my notice. Psalm 1611. You ought to remember this verse. Psalm 1611. Anyway. Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life, the way of living. In thy please, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures. <gasps> Pastor, you use that word. Yeah, pleasures forevermore. Most people think us Christians are haunted by the fear that someone, somewhere, is happy. <laughs> they believe we are killjoys. We are the frozen chosen. <laughs> That's the modern view of Bible-leaving Christianity. They go, you just don't have any fun. Are you kidding me? I remember my fun. <laughs> There's joy as you get close and closer to the presence of God. You're no longer walking in the flesh, but you're walking after the Spirit. Really, the person who walks after the Spirit is the happiest person alive. They may not always show it. There may be tears all over their face, but their heart is full of joy. We found that when we're close to God, when we stay close, there is fullness. There is you. You say, I can't, I can't handle all this. There's too much joy. Wouldn't you like to have a day like that? Most soured Christians that I know have only dabbled in the Christian life and they never sought the fullness of the Spirit of Christ. So there are benefits. God's a rewarder. He listen, if God's got something for you, if you get close to him, I want to get close to him. 
So I'll, re I'll repeat it. The greatest pursuit of life, the greatest thing you should be pursuing is to have a close relationship with God. That doesn't mean you become a monk or a nun or a priest or somebody who just goes around banging his head as he goes and he moans out chants of, no, no, no. It's every day you're walking with God. The world may think you're not so because you're singing hymns. They may hear you just praising God and they go, what is wrong with so-and-so? Is that you're walking with the one who loves you and gave himself for you. So three things. Number one, we need each other. We need our families. We need to be with our families. We need our husbands. We need our wives. We need to be with other Christians. But we need more to be close to God's Holy Spirit. So go to Psalm. You're in Psalm, Psalm 24, verse 6. So this is the challenge to you today. Be the generation that seeks a closeness with God. Listen to Psalm 24. Read it, verse 6. Say it with me when you find, I give you time to find it. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 24, verse 6. Say it with me. Ready? This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Not the past generation. Not thousands of years ago, but make it this generation. Amen? Be the generation. That's not the Pepsi generation. Not the generation that knows every kind of imaginable sin that's out there on the internet. Not the generation that knows how to make a quick buck or all the conspiracy theories out there or all of the politics and the political shenanigans going on. Be the generation that is absorbed with, obsessed with, pursuing one thing, and that is a walk with the Spirit of God that has invited you. So seek after, pursue hard after the living Spirit of God Almighty. And your life will never be the same. I'll tell you the story of a woman. I've got too many things to say. I've cut out a lot, so believe me. A woman had an issue of blood. She had hemorrhage. No, no doctor could help her. She was constantly on the edge of death, and she heard Jesus was coming through her village. He's surrounded by men, and she has very little strength. And what she decides to do is to just touch the hem of his garment. Now, she's not, she knows she can't walk straight up to Jesus, just wasn't even permitted. That was, The men would say, get back, get back. They would never have allowed it. So she's crawling on the ground. And as she's crawling, she just says, if I could just touch, I'll be healed. If I could just touch, if I could just get to him, he can heal me. I know it. I don't even have to ask. And as she crawls on that ground and she reaches up and she touches him, Jesus says, who touched me? <laughs> Which is awesome, okay? Because Peter says, there's 400 guys around you and they're all trying to touch you and you ask, who touched you? He says, somebody touched me. And then he pulled back and there's this woman there and she's standing up and her strength is restored and the blood has stopped bleeding. And she looks at Jesus, she's terrified. And she says, he says to her, your faith has made you whole. But I want you to see, she didn't just stay back there and wait. She wanted to get close and say, if I could just touch, if I could just mm, make contact with him. And she does. And it changed her life. You see, people hear about Jesus all the time. It does no good for them because it's just information. But the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart of hearts 
when you do move him from the brain down to the heart and he's in there and he dwells in your heart by faith, I'm telling you, you're never the same. Now, he went looking for us when we were lost. Now that I'm saved, I'm looking for him. I know he's there, but I get so distracted, I forget, and I need to keep my mind on him. Let's stand, let's bow in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. I want you to think for a second. How's your, how's your interest level now? Have you warmed up from room temperature? Does this interest you at all? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Doesn't the fact that we're so easily distracted and that this world has so much of our attention and it just wears us out where we don't want to do anything, doesn't that scare you? That's the design of Satan. He loves wearing people out so they don't have any heart for God, don't have any desire to just be close to him. That doesn't mean you're not close to your husband, you're not close to your wife, you're not close to your kids. It's not. That is a second thing altogether. But if you put that first, everything you're holding on to will crumble in your hands. If you put first your relationship with God, everything else will hold together. If you want that, God wants to know that you want it. It begins with being saved, being born of the Spirit. Are you born again? See, I've never heard that before. Come talk to me afterwards. Let's get it fixed, man. Let's get it where you and God settle your heart and your sin today. He died to save you from it. Why don't you let him save it? You can, you can ask him right now. If you got questions, I'll be here. And dear Christian, if Christ offers, invites, opens a door and says, follow me. Stay following me. Don't follow the pastor. Don't follow the priest. Don't follow the politicians. Follow me. It'll take you all the way home. And as you get closer to him, you'll find joy like you've never known. I mean joy, not just happiness, but joy. Father, bless the what we've learned today. And I know in this room there may be people who are not born again. They're trying to be good. They're trying to be a Christian. But they didn't, they probably don't know that Christian means Christ follower, someone who's letting him lead. I pray, God, that in this moment, we would be very aware that you're pulling on us, some people to repent and get saved, some people to also repent and get close to you. Stop holding on to things that are defiling them, holding on things that are distracting them, and just get close to you. This is, this is my heart's desire, God, that I draw nigh to you more than ever. God, would you please make that our prayer? Let this be the generation that seeks after God. In Jesus' name, amen.